Section 14 of Lost Diaries. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eva Davis. Lost Diaries by Maurice Baring. From the Diary of Mary, Mrs. John Milton, nay Powell. Aldersgate Street, July 1st, 1643 housekeeping not quite such fun as i thought it would be john is very particular he cannot eat mutton or any kind of hashed meat he compares the cooking here unfavorably with that of italy he says the boys in the school are very naughty and that during the latin lesson this morning one boy called jones minor put a pin on his chair just before he sat down on it i couldn't help laughing and this made john cross he is thinking of writing a poem about King Arthur, sick, and the burnt cakes. July 6th. John has begun his poem. He makes it up during meals, which makes him forget to eat, and makes the meal very gloomy. He writes it down afterwards. He read me a long piece of it last night, but as it is in Latin, I did not understand very much of it. July 7th. John and I quarreled. It was about Jones Minor. John announced the news of a reported rebel success during the boys' Greek lesson and told the boys to give three cheers for the rebel army, which, of course, they all did, as they would never dare to disobey, except one brave hero, I call him, called Jones Minor, the son of a tinker, bless him, who called out as loud as he could, Long live King Charles! and death to all traitors. John told him to repeat what he had said, and he did, and John caned him. I think this was very wrong on John's part, because, of course, the rebels are traitors. I took the part of the boy, and this made John angry. Then I said, Of course, if all loyalists are so wicked, why did you marry me? My father is loyal and I am heart and soul for the king and the church. John said that women's politics didn't count, but that the young must be taught discipline, that he was tolerant of all sincere opinion, however much he disagreed with it, but that the boy had merely wished to be insolent by flying in the face of public opinion and the will of the school, which was the will of the people, and therefore the will of God, merely to gain a cheap notoriety. I said that probably all the boys felt the same, but didn't dare say so, as they knew that he, John, was on the other side. John said that there were only seven malignants in the school. He said the boys were very angry with Jones Minor and kicked him. I said they were a set of cowards. John said, did I mean he was a coward, and quoted Greek. I said, I didn't understand Greek and didn't want to. That comes from your false education, said John. Your parents deserve the severest blame. I said that if he said anything against my parents, I would leave the house, and that my father knew Latin as well as he did. John said I was exaggerating. I said that I had often heard Papa say that John's Latin verses were poor. John said, when his epic on King Alfred and the Lady of the Lake would be published, we should see who knew how to write Latin. 
I said, who? John said, I was flighty and ignorant. I said, I might be ignorant, but at least I wasn't a rebel. John said, I was too young to understand these things, and that, considering my bringing up, I was right to hold the opinions I did. When I was older, I would see that they were false. Then I cried. July 6th. We made up our quarrel. John was ashamed of himself, and very dear, and said he regretted that he had used such vehement language. I forgave him at once. July 9th. We had some friends to dinner. Before we sat down, John said, We will not mention politics, as we might not all agree, and that would mar the harmony of the symposium. But towards the end of dinner, I drank the king's health, quite unwittingly and from force of habit, forgetting. This made John angry and led to a discussion, some of our guests taking the king's part, and others saying that he was quite wrong. The men became very excited, and a young student called Wyatt, whom John had invited because he is very musical and cultivated, threw a glass of wine in the face of Mr. Lely, the wine merchant, who is a violent rebel, and this broke up the party. John said that all malignants were the same, and that they none of them had any manners, that they were a set of roistering, nose-slitting, dissolute debauchees. When I thought of my dear father and my dear brothers, this made me very angry, but I thought it best to say nothing at the time, as John was already annoyed and excited. July 10th. John says he can't make up his mind whether to write his epic poem in Latin or in Hebrew. I asked him whether he couldn't write it in English. He told me not to be irrelevant. The city is very dreary. John disapproves of places of public amusement. He is at the school all day, and in the evening he is busy thinking over his poem. Being married is not such fun as I thought it would be, and John is quite different from what he was when he courted me in the country. Sometimes I don't think he notices that I am there at all. I wish I were in the country. July 11th John was in a good temper today, because a scholar came here yesterday who said he wrote Italian very well. He asked me for my advice about his epic poem which, I thought, was the best subject for an epic, King Arthur and the Cakes, or the story of Adam and Eve. This made me feel inclined to laugh very much. Fancy writing a poem on the story of Adam and Eve. Everybody knows it. But I didn't laugh out loud so as not to hurt his feelings. And I said Adam and Eve because I felt, somehow, that he wanted me to say that. He was so pleased and said that I had an extraordinarily good judgment when I chose. We had some cowslip wine for dinner, which I brought from the country with me. John drank my health in Latin, which was a great favor, as he never says grace in Latin, because he says it's popish. July 14th. John is thinking of not writing an epic poem after all, at least not yet but a history of the world instead. 
He says it has never been properly written yet. July 15th. John has settled to translating the Bible into Latin verse. I am afraid I annoyed him, because when he told me this, I said, I had always heard Papa say that the Bible was written in Latin. He said I oughtn't to talk about things which I didn't understand. July 28th. I am altogether put about. There are two Irish boys in the school. One is called Kelly and comes from the north, and the other is called O'Sullivan and comes from the south. They had a quarrel about politics, and O'Sullivan called Kelly a rebel, a heretic, a traitor to his country, a renegade, a coward, and a bastard. And Kelly said that O'Sullivan was an idolater and a foreigner, and ended up by saying he hoped he would go and meet the Pope. Do you mean to insult the Pope before me? said O'Sullivan. Yes, said Kelly, to hell with your Pope. I could hear and see all this from my window as the boys were talking in the yard. Kelly then shouted, To hell with the Pope, as loud as he could, three times. And O'Sullivan turned quite white with rage, but he only laughed and said quite slowly, Your father turned traitor for money, just like Judas. Then the boys flew at each other and began to fight, and at that moment John, who was thinking over his epic poem in the dining room, rushed out and stopped them. Then he sent for both the boys and asked them what it was all about, but they both refused to say a word. Then John sent for the whole school and said that unless some boy told him exactly what had happened, he would stop all half-holidays for a month. So Pike, a boy who had been there, told the whole story. John came to both O'Sullivan and Kelly for using strong language. In the evening, Mr. Pye came to dinner from Oxford. He teaches the Oxford boys physic or Greek philosophy, I forget which. But no sooner had we sat down to dinner than he began to abuse the rebels, and John, who was already cross, said that he did not suppose Mr. Pye meant to defend the king. Mr. Pye said he had always supposed that that was a duty every true-born Englishman took for granted, and John became very angry. I never heard anybody use such dreadful language. He said the king was a double-faced, lying monkey, full of popish antics, a wolf disguised as a jackass, a son of Belial, a double-tongued, double-faced, clay-footed, scarlet Ahithophel. And Mr. Pye was so shocked that he got up and went away. I said that people who insulted the king were rebels, however clever they might be, and that it was dreadful to use such language. And when I thought of his beating those two little boys this morning for using not half such strong language, it made me quite mad. John said that I was illogical. I said I wouldn't hear any more bad language and I ran upstairs and locked myself in my room. August 1st, Oxfordshire. I have come home. I couldn't bear it. John was too unjust. Whenever I think of those two Irish boys and of John's language at dinner, my blood boils. Went out riding this morning with the boys. Papa says the war news is better and that the rebels will soon be brought to heel. End of section 14